trying to catch a falling knife. That's sort of what everybody's been trying to figure out on Wall Street. And, you know, it looks like maybe things are maybe your things are bouncing same thing in real estate the the economy is slowing down because that's what the fed wants interest rates are going up and it's going to probably cool off or maybe already has a really hot real estate market so the question is when do you do some buying i saw an article recently they were trying to put together a billion dollars to buy some some second owner homes that were going to be turned around and leased out. But what about multifamily? There's been an explosion in growth in that area. The founder and CEO of Dallas-based investment firm Ashland Green Capital, Shakti Sagadi, joins us right now. It's good to have you with us. Thanks for uh, for having me, David. So tell me about the tell me about the multifamily market because you take other people's money and you invest in in apartments and. Have apartment houses started coming down? Multifamily started dropping in value? Yeah, they have. I mean, coming from where we were, you know, pre, pre-March pre interest rate hike and then June, you know, with the cost of capital being what it was in 2021, you know, as a result of sort of the Fed, I would say maybe having an easy monetary policy and, you know, dropping interest rates at, to 3%. Cost of capital was very low, um, and so what you had is cap rates falling. And I think when the Fed started raising interest rates, um, you know, there's been some cap rate expansion um, in the last six or seven months. And I think the challenge has been sort of finding a place where sellers and buyers can meet the market. And so it's just been too far off in terms of where sellers were coming from. And now buyers' expectations have dropped pretty considerably. So there just hasn't been a ton of transaction volume over the last six or seven months. And it'll probably remain like this um, through the end of this year. And I think next year you'll see more transactions, um, but you know, far fewer than what we saw in 2021. There still seems to be a lot of new construction that's in the pipeline. I mean, I look at the, the building permits. And, I mean, starts have calmed down a little bit. But, but by and large, they still seem to be building, especially around this area. Yeah, I think Dallas has kind of always been one of those places in the country where there's always been an oversupply or people get very excited during housing booms and overbuild. Um, that's just not the case in this um, in this part of the cycle. I don't think there's been um, as much stickiness as there's uh, as Dallas has now as there was in the past. So I think Dallas in a whole has changed quite a bit from 2008 till now. And so, you know, despite there being a lot of building going on, like you're probably seeing as you're driving through, um, we're still chronically undersupplied as it comes to multifamily housing uh, in the Sun Belt and then particularly in Dallas as well. Looking through the, I was looking through the portfolio and prior holdings of, of Ashland Green, it seems like your sweet spot is sort of more affordable housing as opposed to $5,000 a month high rises. Yeah, that's right. Um, so we primarily focus in the Sun Belt. Um, we actually are only in DFW right now, and we primarily focus on um, affordable housing, like you said, um, apartment complexes that were built in the 1980s and newer. Um, those apartment complexes have rents in the dollar twenty to a dollar fifty range, and we like to put in fifteen to twenty thousand dollars per unit and. Uh, improve the interiors, add exterior amenities, and sort of make them look like A-class apartments. 
um, but really taking C-class apartments and making them B-class apartments through our investment. And we can take those rents up a little bit um, through that CapEx program. But you've got, I mean, you're not a long-term holder. I mean, you've got to have an exit strategy out in, what, five to seven years? I mean, do, do you see any problems exiting these the ones you're buying now? And have you been a seller recently? Yeah, so we've exited eight properties um, since the end of 2021 through the end of this year. We'll have exited eight assets. Um, you know, we bought about five assets last year and we'll buy 12 this year. So it takes us about 24 months to um, implement our value add program for exteriors and interiors. Um, and so we generally hold anywhere between three to five years. Uh, we don't see ourselves exiting any more deals in 2023. Um, there's a lot of headwinds and a lot of uncertainty, so probably not the best time to be exiting deals. But um, as we finish these value-add programs in 2023, we'll be looking to um, put some assets on the market for disposition in 2024. You know, as you were saying, I mean, this area, I mean, the Sunbelt overall has been strong, and this area in particular has been very strong. But do you worry about not being diversified? Uh, I, I mean, there have been occasions and sometimes oil has done it to this to the economy in Texas, that it tanks and and it doesn't always go up. Well, I mean, I, you know, I moved to Texas in 2019 from New York, um, and then prior to that, lived in D.C. and then grew up in California. So I've only been exposed to the the coastal markets. Um, and then in 2019, what brought me here was no state income taxes, a business friendly, landlord friendly economy. And, you know, I, I lived here during COVID. I moved here about seven months before COVID. I lived here during COVID and I saw how quickly DFW bounced back relative to the rest of the country um, from COVID. And we had more people, a ton of inbound migration. And so I see the same thing happening um, whenever we do come out of this recession. I see DFW bouncing back so quickly. It's so diversified. It has a, an amazing international airport. It's right in the middle of the country. You can get anywhere within three hours. Um, and I, I think 2021, um, it was the most transacted multifamily market um, in the country ahead of New York for the first time. So there's certainly plenty of fundamentals and tailwinds, I think, that are sort of supporting the fact that DFW is not going anywhere. Um, it's here to stay for the long haul. And what about investors? I mean, I, I there, there seems to be, and again, I, I mean, I, I mostly look at the stock market, but despite the fact that prices have come down and everybody knows, you know, you're supposed to buy low and sell high. Sometimes it's tough. Uh, do you have trouble ad attracting investors for you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, anytime that there's uncertainty, um, it becomes harder to put deals together on the, for the capital stack. So debt becomes more restrictive. Nobody wants to lend. Um, people's stock market portfolios and 401ks are down 25 to 30% year to date. And they're reading all the headlines and um, they're nervous. So that's kind of the ups that's kind of the upside is like when people are nervous is when we as investors want to jump in because there's just not as much demand. And ultimately, pricing is set by a supply and demand equilibrium. So we see it as opportunity. Uh, anything worth having is not easy. And so, you know, the best deals I ever bought were at the depths of the recession in 2009 and 2010. That's when I formed I'm Ashlyn Green over in New York, and um, we haven't seen a buying opportunity like this since since those years after the great financial crisis. And deals were practically impossible to put together back then. And um, they're definitely increasingly getting harder now. Um, 
but for those that sort of can brave the um brave the markets you know i always like to say uh you marry the property you date the rate so <laughs> the rate is a temporary phenomenon the asset itself and the basis at which you buy it is the permanent phenomenon so you can't get the two sort of mixed up because uh because in the long term, you'll do much better if you can buy assets cheaper. I think I'm going to write that down. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> there have been one of the one of the drivers too for for real estate, especially for investors, is some fairly unique, you know, tax advantages. Um, are the advantages still there? I mean, is this something that Congress is looking at? Yeah. So the you know Trump Trump tax laws allowed us to take uh, accelerated depreciation, bonus depreciation through the end of 2022 at 100%. Um, and you can take depreciation starting next year at 80%, and then it steps down and eventually phases out over five years to 0%. They are looking at um, pushing that out and perhaps not um, having a sunset provision. So next year, we would also be allowed to take 100%. But as everything in uh, you know Washington, D.C., it's very hard to you know make any certain calculations or decisions. So we're operating under the assumption that the tax laws um, on depreciation are going to be starting to phase out um, next year. And this would be the first this this year, 2022, will be the last year of full 100 percent bonus depreciation for investors, which ought to help hold up the price of properties, I would think. You'd think so, but you can't let the tax tail wag the dog. You know, you got to make <laughs> it, write that one down. Too. <laughs> <laughs> you got to make, you know, smart investment decisions based on the, the assets and the fundamentals. Um, and if the tax benefits work, you know, um, then it's kind of an even better type of scenario. Same thing like opportunity zones. You know, you don't buy properties in opportunity zones just because they're going to come out tax free in 10 years. You got to make the fundamentals work first. And if the tax if the taxes sort of line up in your favor, that's uh, makes it the deal even better. So it's still buy low and sell high. It's just you just never quite know how low. That's the challenge. You don't want to be the first to the party, I guess. That maybe that's the lesson too. Well, I think that's true, um, and I think there's there's certainly a, a little bit of a a herd mentality when it comes to that. I think the big variable right now is is the debt and how much it costs. So you know that's sixty to seventy percent of your of your capital stack. So if you can fix the debt. Or if you can assume a loan that has good debt on it, um, you know, and make the returns work for your investors, then you go ahead and do it. I think the the question mark, like you mentioned, is, you know, at the beginning of the segment is, you know, you don't want to be catching catching a falling knife. And I think a lot of people are are scared um, to do that. But even COVID in DFW was a flash in the pan. Um, it was, you know, three months, maybe four months of buying opportunities post-COVID. And then the Fed started dropping rates. And if you remember, you know, before Fed raised rates 50 basis points in March, um, you know, effectively the SOFR was at eight basis points. SOFR's at 400 basis points. So between then and now, the fundamentals haven't changed at all. Like the fundamentals are yeah. still very strong when it comes to multifamily affordable housing in the Sun Belt, especially as it relates to DFW. We're still chronically undersupplied. Inflation is still very real. Um, multifamily is a hedge against inflation in the sense that we can reset rents after a year. But I think the, I think it's easy to forget kind of where we came from just as easily as things started getting very uncomfortable with inflation and the Fed started raising rates, they could just as quickly start cutting rates next year um, if they get a good inflation print. And they've already talked about potentially letting the, the last several cuts sort of work through the economy into 2023. 
Um, several Fed governors yep. were on last week. They were say they were going to hike and then and then hold. And you know that seems like a pretty prudent decision given the fact that they've raised rates you know five or six times already, and then they have a couple more left to go this year. So those things have to work through the system. But yep, um, the uh, so-called pivot. It would be would be welcome to see that Shakti Sagata is the CEO and founder of Ashland Green Capital. It's good to spend some time with you. Yeah, you too, David. Thanks uh, for having me. Thanks. For more of our conversation, go to krld.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.